And I think the reasons for this are simple. There are two reasons. One, podcasts have a voice, uh, not like a voice of a blog post, but a real live human voice with subtleties of emotion and emphasis. It's this voice that breathes life into the content. And second, podcasts can go where you go when you want to go there. You plan podcasts around your life and not have to plan your life around podcasts. Podcasts are so convenient, which is why podcasts connect in ways that other content cannot do. There's something about podcasts that lead listeners to feel that they have a personal connection with the host. Mm-hmm. Um I think a lot of industry professionals believe that this comes from something called the intimacy effect of audio, which is why I think the podcasts feel closer to us than video or radio. Now there are lots of different formats of podcasts. There is like a panel discussion type of podcast, or there are two host talk shows, uh some of them are like narrative storytelling. and this podcast is going to be a bit of narrative storytelling and there are going to be guests on the show on certain episodes at that point it will feel like a panel discussion so now let me just give you a little background about myself i am a freelance music producer from mumbai i have been an artist manager for the past 3 years and last september i hung up my boots and decided to be a full time musician i have also been djing for the past 4 years and currently i'm making music for all kinds of content like films tv ads video games i think now is the time to get started let's get going uh today's podcast is going to be about uh, the basic overview of this industry and i'm going to talk about the players involved in the game and how each of them makes a living so first and foremost comes the most important player or players which are the artists these guys can be singer songwriters individuals like uh, rappers DJs or groups like bands or a group of DJs and the second category here is the non artists i have divided these people into mainly four categories one managers two agents three record labels and four the fans let's talk about artist managers what is an artist manager A manager is someone who handles the day-to-day business dealings on behalf of the artist or the band. The artist is in charge of creating the art and usually has an overall vision for the project. But it's the manager's job to take that vision, map out a viable plan and execute it. Think of the manager as the ringleader of the business. This means that people like agents, lawyers, publicists, business managers, promoters and even record labels do not make substantial moves without conferring with the manager of the artist because their word is as good as the artist's word themselves artist management is actually one of the most personal jobs in the music business let's explore the subject of an artist agent 
many artists uh, experience enormous frustration when it comes to advertising themselves and selling their work. You know, the business side of these things can get intimidating for even the most experienced uh, marketing savvy artists, which is why I think almost every artist would want someone that could handle the branding and promotion of their art form. So then what is an artist agent? An artist agent is basically any professional who works on behalf of the artist to represent, promote and sell their music. So in many ways, agents represent the business interests of the artists, uh, whether by pursuing individual sales, licensing deals, publicity or opportunities like teaching, events or commissions. Let's look at a few reasons to hire an agent. Number one, for their connections. Agents are professionally selling art and representing artists. So they are bound to have more connections with event organizers, promoters, press and other professionals than the average artist. Number two is for sales, publicity and event opportunities. Well, this is basically the point of an artist agent. Ideally, an agent will get you all of these and more. A good agent with the right connections might also help you secure financing for your projects or your album, introduce you to potential sponsors and other important people in the industry, opening up a sea of opportunities. Reason number three is to save time. Um, when an agent is working on your behalf, you can spend time focusing on creating art. And let's face it, isn't that why we are becoming artists? And number four is if your business skills are lacking, you know, if you're not comfortable networking or connection building, then the agent I think might really be worth the cost. Agents are particularly beneficial for well-established artists who have consistent sales and regular gigs. And if this is the case for you, then your priority should be creating more art and just shoulder up the commission to have somebody else deal with the business end of your things. Let's go through some of the reasons to not hire an agent. Number one, straight up, it can cost a lot. Number two, to make these connections yourself. These agents are working on your behalf, right? And they are talking to all these people, all the professionals in the industry. At the same time, you're missing out on the benefit of making these connections yourself because these people might help you somewhere in your career later on. And number three is these agents may be stretched too thin, you know, unless you are your agent's only client, they are working just as hard to promote other artists on their roster as well as you. Now let's talk about the power players of the industry. The record labels. Record labels are companies that market recorded music and music videos. They perform a wide range of functions in the industry, including artist recruitment and development, also known as A&R, music publishing, and copyright enforcement. So for record labels, marketing is their bread and butter because it's their most important function as public awareness of the brand of the artist is the way they make money. These labels are divided into two main categories, major labels and independent labels. Major labels offer deals to the world's most successful artists. These are labels such as Sony and Universal Music Group, who own distribution networks that put the music of the artists they sign to exclusive contracts in the hands of millions of consumers, sometimes just in a matter of days or even hours. So major labels sign agreements with their artists. These agreements are licensing and distribution agreements, which uh, give a significant cut of the artist's earnings to the labels. 
Major labels also own sub-labels that specialize in publishing, recording and promoting a particular music genre. For example, country, Latin, jazz, hip-hop. On the other hand, we have independent labels who are also called indie. And these labels are sitting on the cutting edge of the music scene, giving low-paying deals to up-and-coming artists, which helps them become known. These indie record labels are known as such because they are independent companies without corporate backers. These indie labels have smaller distribution networks compared to their big label counterparts. They typically reach their consumers one at a time. However, these indie labels, they do have a strong reputation for having their fingers on the pulse of the upcoming music trends and giving chances to unknown artists who eventually become international sensations. Now, throughout the 20th century, these record labels were like the dominant force behind most successful artists. Uh, it was the record labels who had the power to make or break the career of an artist. And it all depended on the money they invested in the artist. But the internet has freed this artistic dependence on record labels because a lot of artists can market and distribute their music independently through social media and streaming platforms. So in order to stay in the business, given the reality of the digital age, these record labels now offer the so-called 360 deals to artists that give them a cut of all their work, including album sales, uh, media appearances, product endorsements, etc. So I think it's very clear that record labels are one of the most powerful institutions in this music industry. Now moving on to the final category of the players involved in this industry are the fans, the audience. What I'll say is that you can be the most talented artist in the world, but if you don't have an audience, there's no way to succeed. So like, I'm not saying you have to make a lot of money to be a successful artist. Actually, every, everyone's definition of success is different. But what I'm trying to say is that if you want to make a living off of your art, be it music or anything else, without having to, you know, scrounge around for money. You, you have to, it's imperative to connect with your audience and build a fan base. And that's so important because these are the people who will fall in love with your work and be singing your praises to anyone who will listen. This happens because as artists, we build a connection with the audience. And the more we interact with our audience, the more they start liking us because of that connection. And, uh, once this happens, the audience wants to give something back to the artist. This act is known in psychology as the principle of reciprocity, which means that people want to help you when you provide them with value. All in all, connecting with the audience can lead to wonderful things. And as artists, we should take every opportunity to make those connections. Now I'm moving on to the next segment of this episode, which is how to make a living as a player in the industry. First comes the artist. How does an artist make a living? There are several ways. Number one, recording and writing music. So uh, for music listeners, a song is a song. But for the music business, every individual song is split into two separate copyrights. Composition and sound recording. Sound recording copyrights are owned by recording artists and their record labels. But the composition copyrights are owned by people who write the lyrics and melody of the song. Sometimes uh, these copyrights are owned by one and the same person, but if not, 
then the sound recording copyright is split between artists and record labels and the composition copyright is split between songwriters and publishers. Now that we've understood the distinction of copyrights, we can move on to point number two, which is getting that music played. Let's break this down by the most popular ways listeners actually contribute money to music creators. When someone buys a song from iTunes or Google Play or any other digital store, money from that sale is paid out to creators via both copyrights, composition and sound recording. This dual copyright payout essentially happens in all other cases such as streaming music or if it's uh, played in businesses and retailers, whether that's grocery stores or bars, pubs or uh, even the background of a startup's website. Another avenue for getting your music played is in films, television or commercials. This process or concept is known as synchronization. And this process of synchronization is also applicable to radio services such as broadcast radio and internet radio. Moving on to number three, which is performing live music. I think we've all noticed that tours and concerts are becoming grander each year. Music festivals are drawing ridiculous amounts of crowds, even if the lineups are all the same. So I think currently this live music space is the most lucrative for musicians in the digital music era. Since the album sales are like dwindling, streams are only paying out fractions of a cent at time. So at the moment, live shows, tours, festivals and concerts are commanding some of the highest ticket prices we've ever seen. Number four is advertising. Uh, advertising is changing the game for uh, independent artists these days. Brand partnerships uh, offer the artists ability to sponsor and endorse a brand they genuinely like and this way they get access to additional revenue stream. Now let's talk about how the managers make a living here. For the manager, it's his or her job to shield the artist from the outside world. They have to take care of the business affairs and also find and involve other people that believe in the artist and want to work for them. Typically, there are two types of managers. Uh, managers that start working with an artist in the early stages of their career are often business-oriented friends or who want to be industry professionals and they take on the job because of a belief in music and the passion for music. So these are the individual managers. And in the higher tiers, managers work for agencies and sometimes record labels. There's a third category of managers, which is niche and is kind of meant for the really rich musicians called the business managers. Uh, these people are going to handle the artists capital and asset management. They also do investments for their clients and find tax loopholes and that kind of stuff. So this is more of a financial spin on management. So new managers often work with artists on basis of a gentleman's agreement. There's no contract involved in this. But serious managers sign artists and work for a commission between 10 to 20% of the gross revenue. The industry norm is 15%, but it depends on how much the manager is contributing to the artist's success and you can negotiate with the manager based on that. Most managers will take this cut off gross revenue, meaning all revenues without any deduction of costs. Uh, personally though, I'm against that. I believe that a fair manager should only make money when the artist does. Let's talk about the next player, the booking agent. The booking agent's job is in the broad sense, to facilitate live performances for his or her artists. This entails securing and arranging performances, negotiating deals, 
uh, arranging proper technical setup for the shows, securing hospitality and logistical arrangements, and also conducting promotional efforts. It's the job of the agent to make sure that contracts are signed long before the actual show and collect the payments beforehand. They also have to make sure uh, they communicate the technical requirements for the show with a document called a technical rider and include hospitality and logistics in the contracts as well. An interesting fact about agents is that they represent their artists for specific regions. This is done because it's unreasonable to expect that an in agent in India will have the same network and clout in North America. So the major territories are split up like this. Europe, North America, South America, Asia and Australia, New Zealand. Agents also work on a commission basis varying between 10 to 15% of the artist's booking fee. And uh, the 10% rate is common in scenarios where the agent does not need to arrange for the hospitality and logistics and the promotion of the event. But if the rate is 15%, then it's kind of an all-in service of an agent that is being provided to the artists. I think a 15% commission is fair in exchange for advancing and routing hospitality and logistics. These agents can often do a better job than us artists in specific regions. Moving on to the next set of players, the record labels. Let me take you back in time to the 1970s. Those were the days when music was played from vinyls and cassette tapes. And popular opinion at that time was formed very differently compared to today. Back then, the tastemakers were also the gatekeepers. And who were these people? The radio, event promoters, and venue owners. And over time, the music industry developed from infancy to maturity. And these radio stations, promoters, and venue owners became more and more involved with the record labels. And effectively, these labels started controlling the spread of music. So gradually, driven by the margins of physical sales of music, the industry became a multi-billion dollar industry. Some of these labels grew out into really large corporations, earning the nickname Majors, and the rest of the industry grew with them. Many radio stations, concert promoters and distributors also scaled their businesses immensely. The reason that record labels are so powerful is because they used to pay for all these artists to record their albums, then manufacture the copies of these albums, distribute them to all the stores, and market the album to radio and press. So these labels would essentially operate as banks for musicians. And because they controlled the distribution channels, they were able to really influence which artist becomes successful. The more successful their artist becomes, the more profits they get out of having invested in that artist. However, today the landscape is quite different than how it used to be back in the 90s. And that is because these days it's much easier for independent artists to record the music themselves without requiring the financial backing of a label. And with the sales format shifting from physical to digital, 
the costs of manufacturing and distribution have also been minimized. This has led to a change in the purpose of these labels. They still have to curate great music and invest in great artists, but their involvement is more essential on the marketing and promotional side than anywhere else. They have the bank to make this happen, securing feature placements on iTunes and Beatport, inclusion in Spotify playlists, press coverage on blogs and magazines and plugging to radio. That's where they make a difference today. Now so far we have looked at artists, managers and agents. There are a few more players that I want to talk about briefly. But before that, let's just understand why it's important to know these things. During our early days into the music business, we are all eager and ambitious. In reality though, we are a bit clueless about how things are, what an artist manager really does, or what goes into being professional artists. Our enthusiasm and drive would make up for that lack of knowledge. We would wing certain situations, learn things on the fly, uh, fail, and just learn from our mistakes in general. This is not a bad approach at all for beginners. It's actually quite admirable for the initiative and grit that we possess rather than think about our efficiency at that point. What we lacked was insight into the framework that underlies the modern music industry and understanding of the interconnected gears and sprockets, the music industry professionals that is, uh, that drive the careers of successful artists. Artist manager, booking agent, music publisher, label A&R, radio promoter, PR agent, rent promoter. We didn't really know what all these jobs entailed, what work they did or at what stage they became relevant to an artist's career. And the goal of this podcast basically is to give you that insight into the framework. To explain what all the different music business professionals do what typical business deals look like in this industry and when you should be involving these professionals and at what time in their career so that when we start making waves, we'll know what to do. The people closest to the artist are the manager, the agent and music publisher. These are the people that start working with an artist in the earliest phase of their career. The manager almost always comes first, then comes the agent. Publishers tend to come into the picture later once an artist is represented by management or is releasing music that's showing promise beyond the digital scope. These days, record labels are starting to get involved sooner in the process too. The rise of the internet has led to a surge of independent labels uh, who are picking up brand new but promising artists. And this is especially true for electronic music where these labels are often involved with artists even before attentive managers and agents are. Uh, signing to a publisher is usually like a watershed moment for electronic artists. It's a sign that the project has matured beyond the scope of SoundCloud and YouTube and into the mainstream world of music. It's the publisher's job to make sure that the artist is sitting in the right rooms with the right artists for features, collaborations, co-writes and all that kind of stuff. And you will find that most successful artists have a strong core group of these people. These are people who they've been with for years and they have all perfectly become aligned to a mutual goal, which is the artist's success. Publishing agents typically work for agencies instead of by themselves. Most agencies are divisions of labels, 
with the powerhouses being divisions of major labels such as Universal, Sony and Warner. Now within these publishing agencies, there's a special branch that is solely dedicated to synchronization. The concept of synchronization means pairing up songs in media such as advertisements, film and TV. Another very interesting class of people in this industry are the A&R guys. A&R stands for Artisan Repertoire and what these people basically do is uh, while working at a label, they are responsible for communicating and signing new acts, developing them and their music until they are ready to be marketed. The act of A&Ring is a slang for the act of curating music to the point of becoming commercially viable. The A&R has to make sure that the music will do well with an audience so that the investment of time and money by a label pays off because after all these guys are running a business. Now once the music is ready for release, it needs to be distributed. For that you need distributors. Now professional record labels have deals with distribution companies that send their records to stores whether physical or digital. With uh, digital becoming the primary format and the huge cost of reduction of not having to create a physical product, most labels release new records on digital only. Along with distribution of music, it's equally important to focus on music promotion. Marketing drives sales, plugging a record to radio in the hopes it'll be put in constant rotation, securing coverage on music blogs and magazines, feature placements on iTunes and Spotify. These are all ways to generate exposure. Most labels have in-house facilities to cover marketing in radio, with the major labels having full departments for these services, while indie labels usually have a few team members on board for marketing services. There are people like music publicists and PR agencies that are responsible for generating press both online and offline. They do this for record labels, artists, event promoters and even venue owners. Their services include pushing releases or an artist to online blogs and offline magazines, securing interviews, feature placements, reviews and other forms of press. Uh, quite a few PR agencies also provide radio plugging services. So with this, I think we've come to the end of our second segment in the episode, which was uh, understanding how each player in the industry makes a living. Let's just do a quick recap of all the players involved in this industry. First comes the artists, then managers, agents, record labels, publishers, distributors, publicists and PR agencies. There are a few other players that I have left out currently, but we will get to know them as we go along the way. And this is where the first episode comes to an end. I think this information is absolutely essential for anyone trying to get to know the music business. So I hope this episode was interesting for you. In the upcoming episodes, I'll dive deeper into this framework, which will make navigating this industry a lot less intimidating. Let me know what you think so far of this episode. My email address should be mentioned in the podcast description. I'd love to hear some feedback and it'll be really cool to connect with you personally. Well, that's it for today. See you in another episode of Meet the Industry very soon. Bye-bye and have a nice day.